Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Bible reading is from Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a human. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 to 23 states, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we are looking at the fruit of gentleness. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of the word gentleness, maybe tenderness, kindness, not being severe or harsh or rough. Or perhaps you think of being gentle is about taming something, calming something down to pacify something. Like a wild horse that is is being tamed. It suddenly becomes gentle. Becoming a husband and a father has taught me to be gentle. To be gentle with Victoria and gentle with Naomi. As a guy growing up in South Africa, the way you showed a friend that you liked them, the way you showed affection, was to punch them on the arm. How you doing? Getting married? I've had to learn gentleness. Now the Greek word that is translated gentleness in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23 is often translated humility within the Bible. And when it's not translated as humility, it is often paired with another word that is translated as humility. So for example, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, Paul says, By humility, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. So the concepts of humility and gentleness are being paired together. And so this particular Greek word has the nuance of being gentle, being tender and not harsh, and the nuance of humility. And this concept of gentle humility was not seen as a virtue within the Greco-Roman world of Paul's day. In fact, gentle humility was seen as a weakness. It was a derogatory term for a groveling servant. It was a characteristic of a, a servant or a slave, someone who had an inferiority complex. 
To say to someone that they are gentle or humble was an insult. It was to say that they are weak, they are inferior, they, they lack strength and confidence and assertiveness, they are a failure. You see, they valued strength and confidence and assertiveness. In order to succeed, you needed to be sure of yourself. You needed to push yourself forward. The last thing you needed was gentleness and humility. You would never succeed if you were gentle and humble. Now today in the West, we are highly influenced by the Christian tradition. And so, as a society, we value humility. We love to see an arrogant person fail. But do we truly value humility within our society? Victoria and I are currently watching The Apprentice on TV. And it's a fascinating insight into what our society really values. In order to succeed, you need to be self-assured, confident, assertive. You need to push yourself above others. You need to believe you are the best and you've got to make other people believe that you are the best. You need to be strong. You need to be tough. For this is the tough business world of the survival of the fittest. I don't think gentleness and humility are on the list of the sort of characteristics that they're looking for in The Apprentice. And we see the same values being sought after within sports teams today. They're not looking for a gentle, humble player. No, they are looking for a strong, tough, self-confident, arrogant player. And so while we like to give a lot of lip service to humility and gentleness, as a society... We actually value pride. Now, pride is the opposite of gentle humility. What exactly is pride? Well, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Why? Because that's pride. Pride is selfish ambition and vain conceit. Now, selfish ambition is where you are only looking to your own interests, where you are prepared to literally walk over other people in order to achieve your goals. However, selfish ambition is, is not always that obvious. We do not intentionally walk over other people, but we are just so self-absorbed that we do not even notice other people around us. We are so self-absorbed with our own interests and needs that we only look out for ourselves to the exclusion of other people's interests and needs. That too is being selfish. That too is pride. And vain conceit means that you, you think you're more important, more important than anyone else. The word could be translated deluded pride. You think you're the most important person, more important than anyone else, but you're not. And, and it's very natural for us to have this mindset of deluded pride. We like to think we are more important than other people, and we, and all, we all are on our own little ego trips. We want to be admired, to have our opinions sought after, to be recognized, to get applauded, to be known by name. And if we're honest, we all struggle with vain conceit. Why do we struggle with vain conceit? Well, it is because there is an emptiness 
within all of us. We are hungry for respect. We are hungry for that feeling that, that we are important, that we are significant, that we count. And it's like a cosmic insecurity. And this is a condition of the human soul because we are not in a right relationship with God. We do not know our worth and our significance to God. And as a result, some people would rather be hated than simply ignored and forgotten because then they would feel completely insignificant. And this vain conceit manifests itself with the need to always be first. It leads to a real drivenness and a fierce competitiveness whereby you are under the compulsion to excel, to be first, because that is where your identity is found. And you need to feed your hunger for significance. Vain conceit. Now, of course, it's okay to strive for excellence. But if you are striving for excellence within a particular field and you're not vain conceited, then then you'll be able to rejoice if someone else achieves that excellence. In the past, I have struggled to to praise other surfers if they did some amazing maneuver because it might be suggesting that they are a better surfer than me. Or I am jealous that it was not me that did the maneuver first. That is vain conceit. And as a result, vain conceit also manifests itself with the need to put others down. Where you're constantly criticizing others, focusing on their faults, because indirectly it makes you feel more important, makes you feel better than them. Vain conceit also manifests itself with the need to always be right. It is when you arrogantly think you are always right, and, and you will argue against anyone who says otherwise. Know anyone like that? Don't look at them now. And for a Christian, it's where you believe that you are right on every point of your beliefs. It is when you cannot admit that you are wrong. It is when you cannot take advice. It is when you are no longer teachable. You are unwilling to change your mind. That is vain conceit. But vain conceit also manifests itself as a pride in our own humility. I mean, when you see some arrogant person boasting, what do you do? Turn your nose up, roll your eyes at them. Not me. I'm not going to do that. Pride. And we think we're better than them. Because we think we are more humble. That too is vain conceit. Now, gentleness and humility are obviously the opposite of pride, the opposite of vain conceit and selfish ambition. And we read in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 3 to 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's pride. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So firstly, humility is the opposite of vain conceit. Humility is valuing others above yourself. Humility is where we consider other people and their opinions better than ourselves. Humility does not mean that Victoria has to think that I'm a better musician and singer than she is. That would be false humility. 
In fact, that would be a blatant lie. Uh, there, there is a good reason why Lawrence turns down my microphone when I'm singing. So even if I am better at doing something than you, it does not mean that I am more important than you. Even if I am better at doing something than you, a humble mindset will still value the other person and will consider the other person as being more important. You see, you can take pride in what you do. Paul states in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to anyone else. If you do something well, you can be proud of that. But what you must not do is think that you are now more important than other people. To say, oh no, it wasn't good, it was nothing, would be false humility. Or a favorite for Christians that really irritates me is when we say, oh, uh, it wasn't me, it was God. Which is a way of admitting that it was really good, but also trying to appear really humble at the same time. Look, look how humble I am. I gave all the credit to God. That too is pride. I always feel like responding when someone says that by saying, well, it wasn't that good. I mean, if it was God, that would have been truly awesome. The humble response, when you've done something well and the person congratulates you, the humble response would be to say, well, thank you very much. Acknowledge that you did well, but still value the other person. Still consider the other person as being more important than yourself. That is true humility. Secondly, humility is the opposite of selfish ambition. Humility is not looking to your own interests, but rather looking to the interests of other people. True humility takes a genuine interest in and a concern for other people. When you're making a decision, when you're making plans, when you're interacting with other people, you are more concerned about their interests, their needs and their concerns than you are about your own. You see, true humility is all about what you're looking at. Are you looking at yourself or are you looking at other people? True humility is not having an inferiority complex. It's not thinking you're no good, you're worthless. That is not true humility. In fact, an inferiority complex is a form of pride. Because you're always thinking about yourself. You are uh, self-absorbed with your own problems and needs. Poor me, poor me. Rather than looking to other people's interests and needs. And self-hatred is a quick way to become cynical and gloomy and cruel. Because if you do not like yourself, then you're going to be jealous of other people, you're, you're not going to like other people, and you'll be cruel to other people. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, nor is it thinking more of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. True humility is self-forgetfulness. You're not worried about how you are looking, how you are feeling, what people are saying about you. You're not being down on yourself. You're not being up on yourself because you're just not talking and thinking about yourself. You're not noticing yourself because you, you're not insecure and you're not on an ego trip. You're not looking at yourself. Rather, you are looking at other things. You are looking at God and neighbor. You're looking at everyone else's interests and needs. That's true humility. 
It's not a weakness, it's strength under control. Yet if I'm honest, I often look at myself. I am I'm constantly thinking, how do I look? How am I feeling? Am I insulted? What are people saying about me? Why? Because there is something wrong with my ego. I have a need to feel important and significant. I am selfish and self-centered. So how do we develop the fruit of gentle humility within our life? Well, in verses 6 to 11, Paul quotes a very, very early Christian hymn about Jesus. And within this hymn, we discover that although Jesus is the very form of God and equal to God, He does not exploit that position, He does not take advantage of that position, but rather He humbles Himself, He becomes a human, taking the form of a slave. He came not not to be served, but to serve. More than that, He came to give His life for us. He was prepared to die a humiliating death on the cross for our benefit. And we need that same humble mindset that Jesus had. Now why does Paul quote a hymn? I mean, why doesn't he just tell us what Jesus did in normal prose? The reason he gives us a hymn is because this is not just an example to inspire us to imitate. If it was, it would not produce true humility because it would just be another legalistic rule that we have to obey. Now I have to try to appear to be humble. And if you manage to achieve it, then you will be a prou- that you will be proud of appearing humble. You see, you can't produce humility directly because humility is all about self-forgetfulness. If you are trying to produce humility in your life, you'll be focusing on yourself and it'll be all about you, which is not humility. I mean, why do you want to work on humility? Because we don't want to look proud. We want to look good. So, how do we produce the fruit of humility within our life? We need to look away from ourselves and we need to look to someone else. We need to worship Jesus. Paul does not give us dry theology, but a hymn of worship. We need to forget ourselves as we become captivated by Jesus and as we worship Him, when we come to realize that our true significance and our worth in Him, that He loved us and valued us so much that He was prepared to die for us. And and it's through this experience that we are set free from our vain conceit because we no longer need to be on our ego trip because we find our true worth and significance in Jesus. And we no longer need to look down on other people because we realize their true worth and significance in the eyes of Jesus. And so it's through this experience of worshiping Jesus that we lift up our eyes away from ourselves and we look out at other people and their interests and needs. And it's through this worship experience that the Holy Spirit fills us and enables us to value others and to be generally more concerned about other people. And as we focus on Jesus and as we worship Jesus, the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of gentleness and humility in our lives. Do you need more humility and gentleness in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for that supreme example of a true, humble life. 
But Father, we thank you that you give us more than an example, that you, you give us a way to worship Jesus, to become captivated by Jesus, become in awe of Jesus and what he's done with us, so that we're able to lift up our eyes away from ourselves and out to Jesus and to other people and their needs. Father, we confess that, that, that we, we aren't humble and gentle, that we are always so self-absorbed, we're always thinking of ourselves and our problems and our needs. We're all on our own little ego trip. Father, won't you forgive us? And won't you help us to enter into, a, in, into worship, to be able to experience Jesus' love and allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life and produce that fruit of humility within our life. Father, we confess that we can't do this by ourselves. We need your help. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would come into our life right now and start producing that fruit of humble gentleness. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.